How many know it's awesome to be in the house of God, y'all? Wow. I mean, we're in America for crying out loud. Where else could you do this freely, right? You got China. You got to go meet underground. You have Saudi Arabia. They love Christians, right? Um, so obviously, we, we have a nation that was given to us. Now listen, a couple of things before I start talking. This has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans. It has everything to do with Scripture, okay? That's what we're going to start the basis off. So before you guys think this is going to go into who you should vote for, I'm going to leave that to your conscience. You know why? Because you are ultimately going to stand before God with what you do with the knowledge you've been given. And actually, that's hope. And we're going to give you hope tonight. Who needs hope tonight? And, amen? We're going to have that tonight. So, yes, my name is Massey. I travel uh, a lot. We, we go into colleges. We go into high schools. And uh, how many know we need the gospel in those places, eh? We're, uh, my family and I are from Florida. Uh, we travel. Uh, I was just in Ohio, actually, just recently. And, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I, I did not know. Well, first off, how many know God is good? Right? How many know Jesus is sufficient for my salvation? And how many know sometimes Jesus rewards us with awesome things to keep our walk in line, like coffee, the artificial Holy Ghost. We all need this once in a while, right? I know it's probably illegal to have it up here, but I'm here to shake the rust off legalism, so I'm going to keep it here with me. And uh, do you guys like that, huh? huh? I know it's probably not right to have it up here, but I need it sometimes. But seriously, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, like I see, he, we're the founder of Self-Evident Ministries. This is our first year doing it. I've been traveling uh, for 13 years preaching. I was in a couple other ministries before that. I'm also the vice president of a, of a ministry called Institute on the Constitution. And it's why the Bible... Oh, wait a minute. Let me backtrack. The two things they tell you not to talk about at Thanksgiving dinner is what? Isn't that nuts? What does John 14.3 say? Right? I mean, it's like we know. What is separation of church and? Right? We all know the phrases. They're catchphrases. We know it's been fed to us so, so many times and so long. And you know what? Everything that the media tells you today is completely antithetical to what the founders preached back in the day. Right? Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Were the founders perfect men? My gosh, no. You tell me one person in the Bible that was. Except Christ. Come on. Work with me here. Work with me. That was good, though. I was on his toes right there. I mean, I get this a lot. I, I had a gentleman just tell me, I don't know if I can do anything, Mass. I don't know if I can do this. You know, I'm still so, I'm still so, I don't like, I don't have the knowledge you have, and I don't have the tools, and I don't have this. I said, good, you're the one. You're the one. Because if you could do it, it wouldn't be faith. What does the Bible say in Philippians? His strength is made perfect in your what? Amen. If you're weak, he's strong. Guys, look. Moses didn't start his ministry until he was 80 years old. A lot of you have a lot of tread on your tires left. There's a war going on for the soul of America and the kids. You know how fast life goes? One of my favorite men on earth. He supported me since I first met him six years ago. He just died yesterday. <clears throat> in a tragic accident. He has a business in Holland, Michigan. His sons are fantastic, Christian boys, beautiful kids, beautiful families, and he just passed away. Tragic accident. And I thought to myself, I said, Lord, I don't want to be guilty of holding back anymore. And I, you know, I get it. I preach and I travel. We go to schools and we confront sin. We confront the errors going on in our government in America. And why is it both the, 
the left and the right are screwing up America. You know, it's funny. Both sides have created $20 trillion of debt. Both sides have allowed the slaughter of 60 million babies. It's not just one or the other, folks. It's you that's the government. It's you that has the word of God. You have 66 books chock full of stories that men confronted tyrannical governments. You have the answers to change the church, the world, and our government, and your family. Every one of you is endowed by a gift from your creator, and our founder said that. You've been endowed with rights from God. There's no reason to hold back. Did you know that America, according to Christopher Columbus, when they founded America in the 1400s, did you know it was to advance the Christian faith? First 13 colonies, you had to be a certain religion to be a part of that colony. Guys, this was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because where else is hope? Even Peter wasn't as foolish to say, I know where I'm going. You know what he told Christ? To whom shall I go? You have the words of life. I got nothing, Lord. And if you think that you can't do it because you might be a female, the first evangelist was a woman. You know what I love about God? He takes away all of our excuses. We are called to do something. I don't know if you're called to do what I'm doing, but guys, guess what? We're going to teach you today that anything that you're called to do, do it with all your heart. Because God's not going to say to you on Judgment Day, folks, well done, thou good and successful servant. It's not about numbers to God. It's about your faithfulness and obedience to Him. That's all that matters. So all of us sometimes ask ourselves, tell me I'm wrong. Man, it's nothing's working. I've been talking about this for years. Why come nobody's listening, right? Didn't Jesus say, few there be that find the straight gate? Guys, we don't know how many few is, but keep preaching. And if you've been praying for the youth to get it, I'm right here. He's answering your prayers. He's answered them. We're going into colleges and schools now doing it. He's letting us preach the gospel in these schools, guys. It's, there's so many stories I can tell you, and I haven't even gotten to the slides yet. I'm lit about my Jesus because of what, it, what he did to me in 2001. He saved my life. He saved my life, and his, his blood redeemed my soul. And here I am. Because I had nothing, man, without the Lord. Nothing. So if you guys are Facebookers, Twitters, we even got an Instagram account. Holla! Or at the Times. So if you guys want to get on that, we also have a website, theselfevidenttruth.com, and it's not working. <clears throat> What'd you do, man? You're killing my time here. There we go. So I got saved in 2001. I was a part of a Christian rock band. Is that an oxymoron to some? Christian rock, right? If you're Southern Baptist, I get it. Not to offend you. But I traveled a lot. You know, when, when I got saved, I was one of those radical kids. You know, gosh, dare I say, the first week and a half I was saved, I remember I went to a place called the Brown County Fair. I set up a soapbox, a milk crate, and I just started preaching. Like, God saved me, man. Like, he literally redeemed my soul. And I was like, I don't even remember what I said. I just said, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. That's all I remember saying. And I knew that I knew that I knew that's what I was called to do. Preach. No, not everybody has that kind of divine revelation. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, what am I supposed to do? Right? We're going to talk about that in a minute. This is my wife, Carrie Ann. She's actually back there. She books all my tours. I am telling you something. Without a strong woman of God, I don't know how a guy can succeed. There's just no way. I could not do what I do without my wife praying, constantly fasting on our behalf as a family. She watches my kids, all four, and we only have three boys. I'm the oldest one. She makes sure I have everything. She books the tour. She doesn't complain. She's right here. I just picked her up this morning. 
She rarely gets to hear me speak because she's got to be at home with the kids. And here she is with her youngest boy because she gave birth to these three little fat heads. Aren't they cute? Yeah. Yeah, the youngest one's back there. And each one of their names means something. Isaiah, obviously, the silver-tongued prophet. you got uh, Nathan. Man, prophet. Right? And, the, you know, these men stood in the front of kings, tyrannical governments. Every story in the Word of God, it's a, it's a prophet or a man of God confronting government. Even Jesus did that. When he stood in front of Pontius Pilate, he said, you have no power except which my Father giveth you. My Jesus, yes. Because man always, isn't it crazy about man, he always wants power. Right? Before God, we were like prideful. We just loved power. We loved pride. We loved to fulfill our lusts. And guess what? What did sin bring? Absolutely. Slaughtered us. And then all of a sudden, we come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And guess what? Now I'm happy. Now I understand true happiness. We're going to talk about that too in a minute. This is Daniel Webster. He was actually a secretary of state. He was a politician. Well, statesman, they called him. Christian man. His cousin was actually Noah Webster. I have a dictionary, 1828 dictionary. It's this thick. Noah Webster wrote it. You know the Webster's Dictionary? He actually used scripture to define his definitions in that dictionary. Did you guys know that? Food for thought. Did you guys know that the word dinosaur is not in that dictionary? So a lot of kids will ask me when I'm in a college or whatever, they'll say, but dinosaurs aren't in the Bible. Actually, yes. If you read the book of Isaiah, if you read the book of Habakkuk, if you read the book of Job, it talks about Lehevan, uh, uh, a Leviathan, behemoth, fire-breathing dragons, they're called, right? The word dragon, or I'm sorry, the word dinosaur wasn't invented until the late 1890s. See the answers? These kids lack answers, so they're like, oh, the Bible's worthless, right? I always get that. The Bible's antiquated. Tell me something in the Bible that doesn't make sense today, right? I heard a guy tell me, the Bible's full, chock full of rules. I said, yeah, those pesky Ten Commandments. Have you read the IRS tax code? All 175,000 pages? You want to talk about tyrannical? And you know what? We wouldn't need that if we followed God's law of thou shalt not steal. We wouldn't need laws to say we need to balance a budget. Now we've, come, we've become a nation of duh laws, right? Now we have something called hate crimes. Isn't all crime hate? Right? Or we need a law to balance the budget. Isn't that just right to do? Like if you and I, sir, let, let me just use this as an example. Not that you would do this, right? Let's say you didn't balance the budget of the church and you ran the church into debt. You couldn't pay it back. Would they keep you as minister? Probably not. What are you doing, man? You've ruined the church. Will we allow government to do it? Just stuff to think about. Anyways, back, back to the point. Daniel Webster, doesn't he look happy? <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? <clears throat> he says this, hold on, my friends, to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster in what has happened once in 6,000 years. He didn't say millions and billions of years ago. They were biblical men. What has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. 150 years ago, this man made a prophetic statement. Tell me it's not true. Tell me it's not true. Everybody's fleeing their country to come here. Why? For an opportunity. Because we are literally a city set on a hill. Seriously, we still have that light. Guys, if God was going to judge this nation, he'd have done it already. But you know what's cool about God? He's loving kind. He's merciful. He's waiting for his church and bride to get it so we can go out there to the world and win them because we can. Right? This is Reverend Jonathan Mayhew. John Adams, our second president of the United States, was asked 40 years after the revolution. If you guys want these slides, I will send them to you. You don't have to take photos of them or write them down. I can send them to you, okay? 
Um, <clears throat> John Adams was asked 40 years after the revolution, who were some of the most influential people that started the revolution in America? You know who he said? Four preachers. Reverend Dr. Samuel Cooper, Reverend Dr. Jonathan Mayhew, Reverend Charles Chauncey, and George Whitfield. He didn't name Baron Charles Montesquieu. He didn't name John Locke. He didn't name Washington, Jefferson. He named four ministers. Because it was the ministers that led the fight. It was the ministers that said, you cannot be free. If this, to he whom sun, the, the, the sun sets free is free in what? Indeed. Well, you can't be free in the spiritual, not be free in the natural. Every man knows that. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong about this. You feel it in your heart, your conscience. You're like, there's just something wrong in politics. You know why? Because politics, poly and Latin and ticks are many blood-sucking creatures, right? It wasn't meant to be like that. The, the entire purpose of government is to set you free in America. The entire purpose of this government, according to Romans 13, was only to punish evildoers and exalt those that do well. That's scriptural. Now they've turned it on their heads and now they control. That's what happens when we leave off God. And that's when the children of Israel say, well, we want a king like unto other nations, right? Because we just won't submit to God anymore. No, you know what? We can and we will and he will win the day. Amen. He will. I, can you, anyone else point to me in the word of God where God said we would fail? Where did Jesus ever promise defeat to his kids? Never. Never. That's what I love about God. You know what? I, I was told this last night. I was at a friend of mine in Ohio, and he said, do you ever feel hopeless? I said, all the time. He goes, do you think the cause is too much? I said, yes. But why not? What else am I going to live for? The best causes worth fighting for are the lost ones. You know what, guys? I don't want my kids to look at me one day and say, why didn't you fight when you knew? Why didn't you fight when you knew? We're going to get into this in a minute. So Reverend Dr. Jonathan Mayhew said this. He was a, he was a minister in Massachusetts. Okay, he was very influential with John Adams and several, several of the other founders. This was, he preached a sermon on Romans 13, the biblical account of government. So it's also mentioned in 1 Peter 2. It's also mentioned in Titus 3. It's also mentioned in Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy 18, uh, 1 Kings 18, government. God talks about government, okay? This is his preface to that sermon on Romans 13. Just listen close. He says, It is hoped that but a few will think the subject of this sermon an improper one to be discoursed on the pulpit under the notion that it's preaching politics instead of Christ. Don't you hear that today? Can't talk about politics at church. Oh my gosh, yes we do. Yes, we have to. And I'll tell you why in a minute. He says, however, to remove all prejudices of this sort, I beg it may be remembered that all Scripture is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why then should not those parts of Scripture which relate to civil government be examined and explained from the desk as well as others. How come we can only talk about sin, but why doesn't it influence government? Guys, listen, if God doesn't influence government and the schools and my family and the church, I quit. What's the point in serving God? God created government. God created law. Not man. We'll get into Psalm 2 in a minute as well. You guys ever heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? I was told this once, I'm still trying to fact check it, but I think it's true because I saw a couple sources. I'm just making sure the facts. The word Pisa in Latin means swamp ground. Why would you build that on there, right? Think about it. So back in the, in the day when it was starting to tip over, it was at, at worst it leaned 16 feet from its original center, right? So it's scary because that's, that's a big undertaking, right? So at one point they put 800 tons of lead on the one side so it wouldn't continue to topple over, right? 
And from 1970 to 1990, they had this great idea. They said, we need to stabilize the structure. So it took 20 years and $25 million. Sounds like a government job, right? 20 years, $25 million. And they corrected the problem 17.7 inches, determining that it'll still fall over within the century. You know what the problem was the whole time? Foundation. Do you guys get the analogy with kids? We could elect the best people in the world. We could have the greatest laws. We could have the greatest system. And if we don't teach our kids, in 20 years, it'll be worse than what we got right now. Our next generation, as a matter of fact, Thomas Paine said this. He wrote a pamphlet called Common Sense. He said, if there be trouble, let it be in my day so that my child may have peace. Oh! When's the last time you heard a politician say that for real and mean it? I don't want my kids to suffer the way that I'm dealing with this mess now. As a matter of fact, that's my prayer to God every day. Lord, I didn't create this. Teach me to fix it. What do I got to do? I inherited a hoopty, Lord. How do I put this jalopy together, right? What do I got to do to fix it? I'll do it. Right? That's all he's looking for is a willing voice. To those that are willing and obedient, he'll give you the good of the land. And he's done it for us. Right? This is the American view of law and government. Guys, let me ask you a question. What, what constitutes an American? Is it, a, is it a social security number or a birth certificate or uh, a driver's license? What do you guys think? Neither. George Washington didn't have that. Thomas Jefferson didn't have that. Adams didn't have that. You know what it was? They ascribed to the American view of law and government. And we're going to teach it to you tonight, okay? Number one, there is a God. Can you guys say that with me? There is a God. That's right. The God of the Bible. Our rights come from him. And the purpose of government is to secure our God-given rights. I was in a Ohio State University, and I asked the kids, where do you think this, these phrases come from? And one of the kids said, the Bible! I said, you're right. I could probably, I can show you many scriptures that justify that. I said, it actually comes from the Declaration of Independence. You should have heard the, oh, should have heard the gasp. Yeah, we're going to go through that in a second. Do you guys know that your Michigan State Constitution says this in the preamble? This is where it starts. We, the people of the state of Michigan, grateful to who? Oh! Not Buddha, not Allah, not Hare Krishna, not the light bulb, not a higher power. The God of heaven. Man. You know what's crazy about religions? Just real quick, food for thought. Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, right? Joseph Smith went out into the wilderness, got a teaching, came back and taught it to the people. Muhammad went out into a cave, got his teachings, came back and taught the people, right? Buddha was out in the wilderness, got taught, came back. That's why they're still in the wilderness as monks. Jesus went out in the wilderness with Satan and didn't take the, didn't take the bait. Right? Just think about that. We the people of the state of Michigan, grateful to Almighty God, for the blessings of freedom. They were thanking God for freedom, not the federal government, not of state, but God Almighty, right? And earnestly desiring to secure these blessings undiminished to ourselves and our kids, do ordain and establish this constitution. We're going to continue. This is Article 8, Section 1 of your state constitution. Listen closely. Religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools, and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. Where's the thing that we're supposed to teach religion and morality? Isn't that awesome? Do you know that all 50 state constitutions acknowledge God? 
Do you know that all 50 state constitutions say this? You have no reason to fear. God gave you the right to preach. No man can take that from you. You know what's problem is, though, is they keep hearing today in politics, right, that we have constitutional rights, or we have a Second Amendment right, or our First Amendment right. No, that's wrong. You have a God-given right to religion. You have a God-given right to speech. You have a God-given right to protect yourself with a gun. You have a God-given right to, to, to privacy. Those are God's, not man's. And, you know, Miss Clinton, I might as well go there, she said that babies don't have constitutional rights. Remember that? I told my wife, I said, that's the first time I agreed with her. Because the Constitution doesn't give me rights. God does. And the first thing the founders wrote to be protected in that Declaration of Independence was life. End of debate. No more discussion. If she can't disseminate that, she has no business being president. That's where we're losing the battle because our talking points are so off. We're going to get into that in a second. right? Here's, there's, there's two basic views of government that the Bible talks about, okay? This isn't my opinion. This is what the Word of God says. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew, if you are not for me, you're... Absolutely. So there's a biblical view, the lens that we have to view our lives with, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Or there's the pagan view, those that just don't follow God, right? Or they say they follow God, but it's a different religion or whatever, right? There's no tenets of biblical uh, uh, doctrine, right? They're, they're off a little bit. Real quick, the pagan view of government. We're going to go through this, and you're going to see that this is in practice right now and what we can do to get back to the biblical view, okay? <clears throat> the state is divine. The state does everything now, doesn't it? From cradle to grave, the moment you're born, if you don't got money, you got a WIC program, and the, the government will take care of that. Oh, by the way, once they become two years old, the government will take care of that too. We'll put you on food stamps. Uh, can you say food stamps anymore? Is that politically incorrect? Wh- uh, uh, what do they call EBT. EBT. There you go. EBT. So then, after you're done with that, and you can't afford the kids again, now we'll give you free school lunches. Oh, if you can't do that, we'll pay for your heat, your, your light bill. We'll pay for your rent too. We'll pay for your gas in your car. Where's God? Right? Isn't that what's happening today? The government has now become God? Didn't Jesus tell us to feed the poor, not Pontius Pilate? Didn't Jesus tell us to take care of the elderly and the sick and the widow, not the government? That is the job of the church. You know why we take tithes and offerings? Not for bigger buildings, but so that we can help the, the, the body. That is our duty. Healthcare is not in the Constitution. There's no business being judged on. You know what else isn't in the Constitution to be judged on? Bathrooms. Marriage. Guys, where do people typically get married? Absolutely. So whose jurisdiction is it? What does man have any business ruling on marriage in the first place? It's illegal. And don't obey it. Even Paul said, I ought to obey God rather than man. That's not, that's not radical. That's biblical. That's biblical, guys. And I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Because the state is divine, the state authority is unlimited. They can do what they want. You guys now see... But it's not just this past president, it's been other presidents. I can just write law when I want to. It doesn't matter. I don't even need Congress anymore. I can just use my pen, I can use my cell phone, just start writing laws. I, I don't remember that in the Constitution either. You're not a king, sir. We have something called a Congress. We're going to get into that in a little bit, okay? Because of that, this leads to state worship. Do you guys remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And they said, you better bow down and worship the king, and they didn't do it, did they? So what, what happened to them? And because of their obedience, who showed up? Oh! Because they disobeyed an unlawful law. Daniel didn't bow down to that stuff. But it does lead to state worship, doesn't it? Now we're just like, okay, whatever the state wants, we'll give it to them. We'll just pay in our money. Guys, 
What's the typical tithe that we get from church? 10, 15% offerings, things? Do you guys know that over 60% of your wages combined in taxes is being taxed right now? Who's our God? Do you know what Thomas Jefferson said? To compel a man to furnish funds for ideas that he disbelieves and abhors in is sinful and tyrannical. Can we think of some laws that have been enacted with our money that are sinful and tyrannical? My gosh, all over the place. Because of that, this leads to tyranny. You know why? Because we're submitted to man. That's exactly what happened with Moses, right? We're going to get into his story in a minute. It's based on evolution. You know why? Because there's always someone greater than you. Isn't that happening today? Like the government tells us, you don't know what you're doing, but we do. You guys ever notice, especially with like child protective services, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them, they say, this is not how you raise your kids, and you ask them, do you have any kids, and they say no. Right? Or the guys that run the ag department in the, in, in the government, they've never had a plow in their life. You see what happens? The Bible says in Proverbs 22, because of the transgressions of the land, because of our sins, many are the princes thereof. That's why there's so many bureaucracies, because we will not self-govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. We're going to get into that, what Madison said about that. Now, under the biblical view, states divinely ordained. God ordained government through Christ himself, actually. You guys remember the story? When Christ was with Peter at the, at the river, and he said, catch that fish. And he said, pop those coins out of his mouth so the coins come out. And what did he ask Peter? What's the inscription on the back? And what did he say? Caesar. And then Christ told him, render unto Caesar, therefore, the things that are Caesar's. Render unto God the things that are God's. So yes, governments are ordained of God. We're going to go through Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, and Titus 3 in a minute. Governments are good when they're good. And we elect good men to take care of those governments, okay? It's just like church. It's like any institution, right? We're, we're, we'll get into that in a minute, okay? And because of that, the state authority is limited. Do you know why? Because when we're, our conscience is before God, are we going to do anything to violate man or myself before God? I'm going to have to stand before God someday. I'm not going to pass a law that's going to hurt my fellow man. God's going to hold me accountable for that. Because you know that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams both said, I fear the impending judgment. I fear what God will do to me. And it's a holy reverent fear. As a matter of fact, if you look up the word fear in the 1828, it means a holy reverence to God, not a filial fear or slavish fear, or slavish fear, I mean. We need that fear of God again. Guys, I'll say this. If we feared God with the holy fear more than we feared a government, we would change this country tomorrow. Because the government is just people, guys. What is man that thou art mindful of, Lord? David said. Psalm 2. The kings of the earth set themselves against God and his anointed. Let us break their bands asunder. Let us cast down their cords. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. <laughs> I love God because he's got an answer for everything. It is awesome because man always thinks he's got one on God. Don't, don't we? You know, some of us, when we pray, let's be honest, I'm that guy. I'm super impatient, right? You're praying, and my pastor used to say this. He, he said it once, and it just caught my ear. He said, you know, I'm praying, I'm praying about the third day. You're like, man, I wish God would ask me for help. I could really show him what needs to get done, right? We do that. We lack faith. Lord, help my faith or help my unbelief, right? Because of that, this leads to patriotism. You know why? Because when we're all fighting for each other, we want to watch each other's back. Did you guys know that there was no such thing as a moderate or a heavy police force in this country up until the early 1900s? All we had was a sheriff and a cell. Because judgment was executed speedily. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes 8 says, because judgment against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore evil is set in the hearts of men to do it. Isn't that what's happening today? Now people are just getting sly with things. Not, I mean, if you look at both candidates today, I'm just saying the major ones. 
They're just getting away with stuff. Is anybody else, right? I mean, if I was the guy that sent a bad email, I'd be in jail for life, right? But because we don't execute judgment, other people are saying, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Tell me I'm wrong. That's happening in America today. Let's continue. This results in a republic, a republic, not a democracy, because we're not led by mob rule, we're led by law. John Adams said we're, we're a nation based on laws, not men. Okay, we're going to get into that in a second. It's based on creation. We're going to go through this in a second. Um, oh, sorry, it's going a little too fast there. So you guys know the Declaration of Independence real quick? You guys know a lot of it? Now, it talks about the laws of nature and nature's God. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I get this a lot. Well, what God are they talking about? Right? Because, I mean, to be honest with you, it's pretty open-ended to today's standards. We don't really know what they meant if we're not studying history. We're not going to know what they meant. Well, this guy here, William Blackstone, look at that hair. Holla! He's the first English rocker, right? Um, He wrote a a four-volume work called The Commentaries of the Laws of England, okay? And this work was pivotal in American education for lawyers, Charles Finney, Reverend Charles Finney, read his works. He was going to be a lawyer, and he became a, he became a preacher. He was one of the greatest preachers in America, reading his works on the Lord and why God creates law, okay? Now, our founders for over 100 years in the Supreme Court would use his works for their court cases and judge on them. Here's what he said. No enactment of man can be considered law unless it conforms to the law of God. Can we think of some laws that have been enacted that don't conform to God's law? My gosh! And how can we do that in America, guys, when we've been given this freedom? Now, I don't blame you. You know why? Because you didn't know, some of you. Neither did I. You're in the same boat with me. I'm not mad at you. I want you to come on board with me and help. Guys, you know how many times I've been able to use this to preach the gospel? I got an email at 108, or I'm sorry, a text at 108 in the morning. I'll never forget it. I was at Bluffton University. You know what a kid told me? I sat outside for an hour ministering to this kid. He texted me at 1.08 in the morning. He said, I have never had peace with God until you talked. Never. Yes, because God delivers, dude. Because my God is real still. You know what's cool about God? You never have to prop up truth. And you know the media always has to prop up a lie. It's a It's a, it's a joke. Here's, also, here's what else what he said, because he's talking about the laws of nature and nature's God, okay? Listen very closely. Again, this was a very well-respected man by our founders and law systems for over 100 years in America. Listen close. He said, man must necessarily be subject to the laws of his creator. This will of his maker, God, is called the law of nature. This law of nature is, of course, superior to any other. No human laws are of any validity if contrary to this. And such of them are valid as derive all their force from this original. Did you guys get any of that? took me like 10 times to read it, okay? Basically, what he's saying is, again, if, if we don't conform to God's law, it cannot be law. Our founders wrote in the Declaration something called pretended legislation. What does pretend mean? Make believe. Yeah, so people just write laws out of thin air. No, no. Just get through one of his books, and I will consider you a champion. It's crazy. I mean, he's a brilliant writer. We'll go with the bottom quote here. John Quincy Adams. John Quincy was John Adams' son. Okay, he was doing U.S. government work overseas at 15 years old. 15. Do you know that? He was a secretary to the ambassador of Prussia. He also became the sixth president of the United States. He's being paid for our, by our federal government at 15 years old to be overseas. How many 15-year-olds complain about taking out the garbage? Today. Did you guys know that Thomas Jefferson knew six different languages? By the time he was 10, he was fluent in six different languages. Do you know that? William Trumbull. 
one of our founders, signers of the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. You know what? He, he actually graduated the entrance, entrance exam to Yale College at eight. They weren't dumb, okay? The reason I'm bringing this up is because they, they knew what they were writing. They're not dumb. We're not more illuminated. As a matter of fact, let me say this. The more technology we have today, and everything's at our fingertips, am I right? We have all the knowledge in the world, and yet we have more hatred, we have more division, and we have less knowledge. And all we needed to do was just go back, as it says in Jeremiah 6.16, go back to the old paths, where it is the good way, and you'll find rest for your souls. Just go back to this. That's all you need to do. It's got answers. Guys, I would not waste my time being 35 years old preaching this stuff if it wasn't true. Trust me. I had a business before I started doing all this. I was doing really well for myself. And then when I got saved, God said, get rid of it. I'm still mad about that one. Because preachers don't make a lot of cash, you know what I mean? But I look at my kids all the time. I think about them all the time, right? Did you guys know? I'm not going to get into that right now. John Quincy, I'm sorry, i got to go back to the quote. John Quincy said this, In the Declaration of Independence, the laws of nature are announced and appealed to as identical with the laws of nature's God and is the foundation of all obligatory human laws. Samuel Adams, how do we know Samuel Adams today? I heard that. Shame on you. I'm kidding. Yes, we know him by the logger, right? He's, he's, he's beer, right? We know that. But did you guys know he was one of the greatest preachers? He would go into churches preaching sermons on freedom in Christ. Do you know that? He was, uh, when he was governor of Massachusetts, he instituted statewide days of prayer and fasting. We don't ever get taught that in schools today. Right? He said this, In the supposed state of nature, all men are equally bound by the laws of nature, or to speak more properly, the laws of the Creator. I got tons of this stuff. I got quotes on quotes on quotes on all this stuff, guys. I'm not, it's just, none of this is my opinion. This is all biblical, okay? What did the founders talk about God and government? What did they say about it? Right? Because we hear it a lot that they were deists or they didn't believe in God, right? be honest, because we can't mix religion and politics, right? James Madison, drafter, he was the father of the Constitution, the father of the American Constitution. He's also a statesman. He said this, we have staked the whole future of our new nation, not upon the power of government, far from it, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political constitutions upon the capacity of each of ourselves to govern ourselves according to the moral principles of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> we need to teach those laws again, right? That's all we got to do. You know, it's, what, what's so wrong about teaching a kid? It's thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Don't murder. And we take those out of schools. And why are kids killing themselves? I don't know. Kids don't respect their folks. You know, that was commandment number five. Right? It's not that difficult. God is God and he's got rules. You know what's cool about those rules? There's only ten of them. I don't need a 140-page dissertation on what the ten commandments mean. It's pretty simple. Right? Again, 66 books, it's not very difficult. To some others, there's more, right? According to the Catholics and things. And I'm not capping on that. You know what? There's a lot of believers out there. We need to unite right now because the gospel needs to get preached, not our denominations, the gospel. John Adams, the second president of the United States. Again, guys, these, these gentlemen were awesome men of God. Now, again, they weren't perfect. Some of them had slaves. Some of them did some things that were pretty grotesque. And John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, uh, uh, Elbridge Jerry, a lot of these guys fought against slavery in America. And you know who stopped it eventually? It was Christians. You know, my, one of my favorite heroes, asked my wife, I got a, like half a wall dedicated to him, I'm not even lying to you, is Martin Luther King Jr. 
And you know why? Because he would go around preaching all the time. When he would go on a TV station or something, he would never say, I'm a civil rights leader. He would say, I'm a Baptist minister. I'm a preacher of the gospel. That's what he was led by, and I'll tell you more about him in a minute. But um, John Adams said this, our Constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. You know why? Now, Pastor, I'm going to use you again. You are blessed tonight. You had to sit right there. Now, if you were a straight heathen and you didn't care about law, you didn't care about God, you didn't care about morals, right? Let's just, let's just say, perchance. And I told you, you had the freedom of speech. What would you do with it? You're just free to see, speak whatever you want. What would you do with it? Say what you want, right? I just heard someone say that. Very simple, right? But you know what the Christian knows? There's a responsibility with those rights. He knows Ephesians 4 says, I will let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth except that which is good to the use of edifying. Or thou shalt not lie, or gossip, or backbite, the Bible says, right? Or what about the freedom of the press when it says to publish freely the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Now what are we publishing today? I don't even need to get into that, right? Did you guys know my favorite movie of all time, all time, my wife will tell you, is It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Some of you guys in here, I know what y'all are talking about. I love that flick, right? So, did you know that in 1946, the movie production codes of the United States, they would not release the movie if it had the phrases nuts to you, dang, lousy, and jerk? Did you know that? Look what's going on today. Enough said. We, you preached about it earlier. Man, you were getting hot. I was like, man, just let that guy preach. He was just starting to preach himself. I'm like, all right, we're going to get alive here. He also said this. John Adams said this. The Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. I can keep going. Abigail Adams, the reason why I have her up here, did you guys know, you guys want to talk about women in history? <clears throat> George Washington sat before Abigail Adams, and he, uh, he, because John Adams was out of the country, he was tied up. John Adams, or I'm sorry, George Washington took her letters to her husband, because that's how they corresponded. And because of the fear of, of spies taking those letters, she, she told George Washington, could you give these to my husband? And she, he said, absolutely. He said, the sooner John gets the letters, we're all going to be beneficiaries from your wisdom. They said it was really her that was making a lot of John's decisions. But without John, Thomas Jefferson said we never would have had America the way he used to debate. Now, in 1774, my wife loves this story. She actually tells it better than I do because I forget things. But in 1774, John Adams wrote a letter back to Abigail Adams during the, one of the first meetings of the, during, during, the, uh, the, during the convention when they were start, starting to delineate independence. He said, read Psalm 35 to our kids and your father. He goes, we were delineating in the meeting, going back and forth, and a minister came in, and he read Psalm 35, and they had a prayer meeting for over two hours. And that's how they did their prayers. Did you guys know that the first act of Congress when George Washington swore an oath on the Bible to uphold the Constitution, he took all of Congress and Senate to a three-hour church service and then adjourned Congress? That was the first act of Congress. It's in the Library of Congress. You guys can read it yourself. Why are they hiding this from kids? Seriously, ask yourself, why is this being hid from kids? Why don't we talk about bulletproof George Washington? You guys ever heard that story before? When an Indian chief, an Indian chief had 12 men, they shot at George Washington during the French and Indian War, point blank. They fired shot after shot after shot. Finally, the Indian chief said, stop. He ordered them to stop. Washington had two horses shot out from under him, and he took off. When he got back to the regiment, when he got back to the camp, he saw four bullet holes in his coat. Twenty-some-odd years later, during the Revolution, 
the Indian chief went and sought Mr. Washington. And this is what he told Mr. Washington. They all kneeled before him. They said this. My influence, sir, extends from the far blue mountains to the blue seas. Right? He said, I have come to pay homage to the warrior who is protected by the great spirit and who can never die in battle. Why aren't we telling kids that story? Because that's my God. Do you guys know John Knox in the 1450s? Mary, Queen of Scots, said of John Knox, I fear that man's prayers more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Come on! That's my God. We need that gospel again. Guys, it's there for us. My wife and I, when we first got married, I'm just going to preach for a minute. When we first got married, I remember we were sitting outside of a holiday gas station doing a fundraiser for a ministry. And a woman comes up. I'll never forget it. It was about 9 o'clock at night. There was an orange light coming down. There was a Jeep right here, and we had a little table. And she said, are you guys Christians? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, can you pray for my son? Absolutely. She goes, he's terminally ill of cancer. I said, you got it. We, I don't even remember what we prayed, hon. But we prayed, and we knew God heard. Two and a half years later, I'm in Wisconsin. This was in Minnesota. I was in Wisconsin doing the same fundraiser for that same ministry at a different store. And a gentleman walks up to me smiling. He says, do you remember me? And I said, no, sir. He said, do you remember when you were in Malacca, Minnesota at a holiday station? You prayed for my son who was terminally ill of cancer? I said, yes, sir. What happened? He said he was healed that night. That is my God, you guys. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he can do it for the founders, if he could do it for Moses, if he could do it for David, he can do it for us. That is the power of God unto salvation. We're not just called to be saved. We're called to minister. Jesus said, I have not come to be ministered unto, but to minister to. Sometimes I think we treat church, sir, please tell me if I'm wrong, sometimes we treat church as kind of like our band-aid area. Man, when we realize that we're dead in Christ, we can rise with him, 1 Corinthians 15. And then we can take him on. Like Paul said, I am crucified with my Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That, man, when I, get, when I accepted Christ, it was a death sentence. I'm dead. I got nothing else to live for. I got Jesus. Right? And I'm not saying it's easy. Do you know how many mistakes I've made? I missed the first four years of my kid's life because I tried to save the world. I messed up. But you know how cool God is? He redeemed that. Now he's eight. And you know what he wants to be? Ask my wife. He wants to be just like daddy, preaching the Bible and the law. God can redeem that stuff. Where you think you failed, God's looking for you. I heard a comedian one time say, God uses often the most broken pots because they spill more water. The more broken you are, get used. God, God, God loveth you. That's why you're here. There's hope in Jesus Christ. This isn't about governments. This is about Him. And come heaven or hell or whatever, man, you are ordained to the preach the gospel. You are. In the way that you're called to do it. Okay? Let's go on real quick because I've only got about nine minutes. What about public displays of religion? I'm so sorry, guys. I just got into the preaching. Holiness unto the Lord. Do you guys know what this is on the Washington Monument? These sayings. Holiness unto the Lord. Search the scriptures. The memory of the just is blessed. May heaven to this union continue its uh, beneficence. Praise be to God. It's written in Latin. Did you guys know that on the Liberty Bell, Leviticus 25.10's on it? Isn't that amazing? The pursuit of happiness. Real quick. I'm going to go through some slides as fast as I can because there's a, there's a point to this, okay? Now, Everything that I'm telling you guys 
there's some stuff outside on the table. Everything that I'm telling you, well, most of what I'm telling you is in those kits. I go through six different slideshows. We talk about the pursuit of happiness. I have a cousin who's a homosexual, and he's a funny guy. But he's in sin, right? You can't get away, can't get away from that. He's in sin. And he actually called me one time. He said, Massey, you're a hypocrite. I said, well, that's a hefty accusation. Good night. He said, because you preach on the pursuit of happiness, and you don't want me to be happy. You guys ever been stumped in an argument before? Yeah, it happened. So I sought the Lord. I said, Lord, what does this mean? Because you're saying we're supposed to follow you, but you put the pursuit of happiness pretty open-ended, right? Let's, go, let's continue. Now, the declaration says this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. It doesn't say we were born equal or we evolved equal. It says we are created. That's God, right? And we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, right? So I started figuring out. You remember that white-haired guy? The, what, the guy that's well-respected, listen close. He said this, The Creator has so intimately connected, so inseparably interwoven the laws of eternal justice with the happiness of each individual. If you obey God's law, you will be a happy man. They got it. That's what it was for. Obedience to God. George Washington, he said this, Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. It was in his farewell address. This is the Massachusetts Constitution of 1780. Listen close. The happiness of a people and the good order and preservation of civil government essentially depend upon piety, religion, and morality. Can't have happiness without those. And then right at the end here it says, erect your churches so we can preach this. Their state constitution is saying that. God's everywhere on this stuff, you guys. Article uh, 3 of the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 says, Religion and morality and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind. This is actually in your state constitution as well. Schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged, right? So then our founders, we're going to go through real quick, Amendment Number 1 of the Bill of Rights, real fast. Congress shall make no law. Don't you wish they'd have stopped there? We wouldn't even be here talking about this. We'd be out preaching the gospel. But you know what? They didn't think we were going to be that despotic. They didn't think we would, we would fail. We would teach history to our kids. We would understand what our failures were. That's what we're supposed to do in churches. Remember. Why do you think Paul always told the churches, put this in remembrance of you. Remember these things that I tell you. Right? So, it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Now, let me ask you this. If religion was not important to the founders, why was it the first thing they wrote to be protected? Thank you. Without God, you don't got rights. In kid terms, right? Let's keep going here. I talk about the Supreme Court a lot. I'm going to go through that quick. I've got five minutes. I'm going to make this thing happen. Romans 13. Let's get to the word real quick. Ten? You guys want to stick around? We'll go through the slides. Okay. Good. Because I wasn't going to stop anyway. I'm kidding. Pastor said I had three hours. I'm kidding. Romans 13, real quick, because I will go through them as fast as I can. Romans 13 talks about the biblical view of government. We'll start with verse 1. This is where I think a lot of ministers and pastors, God bless them, I think they miss this one. Because we, we have to disseminate the scriptures. We have to understand and study the scriptures. That's what Christ said to do, okay? It says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Listen closely. He just said the powers that be are ordained of God. So that means the office of president, senate, judiciary, uh, state senates, those things, those are ordained of God, but not the man that's in power. That's up to you. I love it when people are like, well, that, he must be, that must be just what God ordained. No, I don't think God ordained Satan to sit in the seats where we're supposed to rule over his rights. I, I, I'm sorry. 
You tell me where God would allow a wicked man like that to rule over his people unless it was judgment. But we've been given the choice. I had a man come up to me and tell me, he said, but wasn't Nebuchadnezzar God's servant? He was wicked. I said, yeah, but he was a king. We, he wasn't an elected official. We have those. We have no excuse before God. We just don't. We've created the demise of America. We have by your inability. And guys, guess what? I was just as guilty as you are. That's why I don't even talk about it anymore. You know what? God's the answer. Tell me to fix it. What do I got to do? Let's go educate. I have hope, y'all. And a lot of it. You know why? Because my kids are going to grow up in a nation. And they need the gospel. And they're going to preach the gospel. And you know what? They might be persecuted for it. But you know what? They're going to see the faith of you and me. And they're going to say, if they did it, I can do it too. That's what they're looking for, right? Romans 13, well, I'm going to move on here. This is 13.8. This is talking to those in political authority. Listen closely. Own a man anything, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Listen closely. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. What if you're a public servant? Did I say that wrong? Too too soon? Too soon? Right? Thou shalt not kill. All these wars... All these things that are happening without Congress's permission. Guys, look, again, I'm not blaming you. I'm just showing you what we need to fix. Like he said, the dingers, right? When you don't put on your seatbelt and that stupid annoying thing, ning, 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 fine, right? You put it on. It's just the dinger, right? Um, Thou shalt not steal. What if they do it? What if a government does it? That's what they're doing, right? Guys, listen close. Listen closely. Churches outnumber schools at least two to one in America. And look what they're teaching our kids. I don't even need to preach anymore. Our duty is before God, and we have an opportunity to do this. Can anybody tell me in any state statute where it says you can't preach in a public school or read your Bible in a public school or talk about the law in public schools? That's why I do them. Matter of fact, uh, in Port Huron, Michigan, I was asked to go into a public school. This was in September to talk on Constitution Day. The principal said, if you start talking about Jesus Christ or the Bible, I reserve the right to kick you out. I said, let's do this. <laughs> you know who the first one was that came up to me and shook my hand and said this was so inspiring? Her. And everything I'm talking about here, I talked about there. Because they've never heard it like this before. You know what? It makes sense that the Bible is influenced in every area of America. We didn't always get it right, but we can. Everything we complain about is our burden to fix. Think about that. Everything we complain about and that we're mad about is something that we're supposed to fix. I get this a lot from kids. What about all those kids in Zimbabwe that never hear the gospel? Get saved, be a missionary, go to Zimbabwe and preach. That's your burden. I just spoke at a school with kids. There was 40 fatherless kids downtown Detroit. And I'm going to talk about this, so please don't get offended, but I'm going to talk about this, and I'm talking to all of you. Please hear me out here before you say anything. One kid yelled out, Black Lives Matter. And I said, you know what, kid? You're right. I agree with you. They do. What's the typical Christian conservative response to Black Lives Matter? I mean, that's good, but you just shut the kid out. You didn't even hear him. Why is he saying that? What's the, why is he asking that question, or why is he saying that statement? So you know what I said to him? I said, boy, you're right. You're right. Black lives do matter. Let's talk about the last 100 years of laws that both Republicans and Democrats have done to destroy black lives. All the oppression, 
Why do they keep you down? You guys, he, one guy said, um, uh, 15 bucks an hour. I said, you know what Jesus said? That if you keep his laws, you would live long in the land and you would prosper and you would have good success. You wouldn't be worth 15 bucks an hour. You'd be worth more than that. Why don't we teach you that, kid? One of those kids, his name's Jonathan. He was 18 years old. He said to me, he said, you know what, sir? Ain't nobody care about what you're saying right now. And he went on for like two minutes. Just let, let loose. And I'm glad he did because it brought life into the room. <clears throat> and then I said, so you're telling me you don't care? And he said, no, sir, I don't. I said, then why are you talking? Of course you care. Of course you're mad. Of course you see oppression. I don't blame you for that. I said, you ever think about becoming a mayor someday, kid? You know what he told me? He said, shut up, man. I said, I'm serious. You know, there was a gentleman at 26 years old, was a minister of the gospel in Montgomery, Alabama. His name was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And when he saw oppression, he stood against it as a preacher and he fixed it. When they were in the march on Selma singing, We Shall Overcome, they were singing it in Russia, in Japan, in China. One man! One man did it. One Jesus. One Paul. that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. One Moses! One can do a lot. We can. We can win the day, you guys. Another kid stepped up. We were talking about spiritual matters at that time. Another kid, 15 years old. His name is Leonard. Guys, don't forget these names. Pray for them. I pray for them all the time, ever since I've met them. Leonard's his name. Beautiful kid. I mean, he, he, was, he was, you know, uh, dark skinned, but he was green eyes. Beautiful kid. He said, sir, can you answer me a question? He said, Why, how come it's easier to lie than to tell the truth? I said, you ever think about becoming a lawyer, kid? Hear me out. I said, because lawyers not only have to understand the letter of the law, but the spirit of it. What you just asked was a spiritual question. Nobody's ever believed in them before. They think nobody cares. So they're in the hood. Where was that, Allison? That, that spot's in a pretty bad spot of Detroit. They invited us to come back in February, guys. You know why they need the gospel. Once we cracked that shell that I showed that I cared, another girl named Raven, I said, sweetheart, you should be in the hospitality industry. A sweetheart of a girl. Another kid, his name was Denard. Served me. Great kid. He would be great as a busser. I mean, I just, I, all we had to do was believe and give him hope. You have a shot to get out of here too, dude. And maybe you, didn't, you weren't taught to do it, but you can do it for your kids. You can. You know who the first ones to give me a hug were? No lie. Leonard, Jonathan, Raven. Because somebody believed in him, man, just like my Jesus does. He died for them too. Now, Jesus died for all. Now it makes sense to them. I understand why they're oppressed and why they're angry. I get it. I'm Mexican. We're the second Hispanic family in a small little town of 3,600 people. You think I don't know? Well, racism, of course. But daddy, you know what daddy always told me? Pray for him, boy. Ain't nobody going to change us but you. And that's what we've done ever since. Now I married a gorgeous Norwegian. We have three beautiful little babies, right? And I get to travel and open my mouth and people listen because God is faithful. God is faithful. Let's move on real quick. How do we elect good principal men in office? Here's the kicker. Everybody's like, who do I vote for? I mean, really, who do you vote for, right? Ding and dong, right? I mean, <laughs> what it feels like. Honestly, let's be honest, right? According to our morals and standards, ding and dong. Let's be honest. In a lot of ways. Because, guys, just think about this. How far have we left our principles that we've elected these two to represent Christians and the other side? Just, just, just hear me out before you get offended. 
I'm just saying look at the outside looking in by Scripture. Not by my opinion, not by a poll on TV. Look at Scripture. Okay? We're going to go through this in a minute. How do we let good principal men in office? This is Chief Justice John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice of America. Do you know, he founded something called the American Bible Society. Can you imagine if Ruth Bader Ginsburg did that? Holla! She needs salvation too, y'all. Guys, have you ever looked at, you know how sometimes we get mad? I have never seen more angry vitriol on Facebook than from Christians. It's ridiculous what they post about Mr. Obama, even Ms. Clinton. I don't care if you agree with them or not. The crap that people post today is not biblical. It's not scriptural. It's not something Christ would have done. You, you literally have to stoop that low to make fun of somebody instead of preach Christ. Come on. Give him Jesus. He's the one who transforms. The Holy Spirit transforms the heart and soul. Not, not your words. Paul even said that. I didn't come to you in words of man's wisdom, but in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. That's what we need in America again. Call out sin. Call out evil. I get it. But when you start violating that, you start to turn people off. That's not Jesus. It's not Jesus at all. Now, why aren't we praying for these people that we complain about? As much as you complain about them, when's the last time you took them to the throne room? Come on. I get just as convicted. This is why I preach about it. Right? Now, Chief Justice John Jay said this in 1816. He said, Providence, God, has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for the rulers. I, I, I heard separation of church and state. No, I didn't. Christians, we need good, godly men, right? Exodus 18, here's some scripture. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear, God, Men of truth, hating covetousness. You ever ask yourself why a senator can run a campaign for 500 grand and walk out a millionaire 10 years later? Something wrong, y'all. Something wrong, right? So Noah Webster, he said, if the citizens neglect their duty and place unprincipled men in office, the government will soon be corrupted. He said, if a Republican government fails to secure public prosperity and happiness, it must be because the citizens neglect the divine commands and elect bad men to make and administer the laws. 150 years ago, y'all. Wasn't too far off, right? How many of you guys sometimes are here at this crossroad? Come on, be honest. We're in church. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you know you're supposed to do something before God and by fear or whatever, you just don't do it? How many of you guys? Come on, be honest. The only way you're going to start changing something in your life is when you're honest about it. Guys, I love Snickers, not salads. Let me shoot it straight, right? Just a month and a half ago, my wife and I started working out. My brother called me uh, six, seven months ago. He said, I'm, I'm diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. He's two years older than me. He's 40 pounds lighter. I don't have those symptoms, but he did. Freaked me out. But the only way I could start attacking is by admitting, hey, man, I'm a little, I'm a little hefty. A little. <laughs> Come on. I, love the sal- I don't like the salad bar. I like the cookie bar. You know what I mean? I really do. I love food, right? But guys, listen, your call before God is something God has ordained you to do. Only you. Only you. Now, I get this a lot. Where, how do I start? What do I do, right? Sir, in the beard, what, let me ask you a question. How do you dig a well? Start digging. Start digging. And you know what? Here's the pangs of ministry that no one ever talks about. They say, oh, man of God, I see that you're small. Or woman of God, I see that you got a great ministry, man. Well, Allison, I see you got a great ministry and things are going to blow up and oh, it's going to be awesome, right? And they don't tell you the pain of it. 
Because what happens when you start digging that well, you're going to hit the rocks. You're going to hit the cement. You're going to hit the clay. And some of us, God forbid, might cuss. Some of us might get angry. We might throw our shovels. We might say, Lord, why aren't you hearing me? You said that I was going to do this. And then eventually, you hit water and feed millions. Eventually, if you stay the course and don't, don't falter or waver, because Christ didn't falter or waver. He could have, but he didn't. And you know what he told Doubting Thomas? As my father has sent me, so I send you. Right after he touched his holes in his hands and his side and his feet. As my father has sent me, we're not going to get away from persecution. We're not going to get away from trials and tribulations. Matter of fact, that's what grows you. But I wish we would get this out of our heads that it's going to be an easy walk. It's just not. But you know what? There's some things that some of you can do that I just can't. But you need to because people, the people need your story. They need your testimony. Guys, listen to me closely. You cannot have a testimony without a test. You can't have a testimony without a test. That's why God tests you. But guys, we're going to pray tonight that God gives you the courage and strength to do what you're called to do because I believe this church alone can shake this city. And when it shakes the city, it'll change the county. I believe that with my heart. Okay? Now, little humor. Mark Twain said, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed, but if you do read it, you're misinformed. <laughs> True? Right? Real quick. Psalm 101.3 says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I will set no wicked thing. When my wife and I got married, we didn't have cable. When we became Christians, no cable for us, right? I watched the occasional Netflix. I got all ten seasons of Little House on the Prairie. Yes, I'm a sissy. I love it. <clears throat> We don't watch like cable. You know, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that, right? And we're going to talk about polls. And if you guys know anything about polls, like how many of you guys believe the media? The media? Anybody believe the media? Right. Now, how many, how many of us believe what the media really says by our actions? Not by what we're saying right now, but by our actions. Ah, politics is going to hell. Forget talking about politics. Forget it. Jesus, come back. How many of us have said that? Guys, do you honestly think the founders didn't say that? Did you know that during the Revolutionary War, they were, they were firing six-pounder cannons in front of their steps? They were shooting people on the front of their steps. Houses were being looted and burned in front of them. Their wives and their children were being raped in front of them. You think they didn't preach Jesus? I hope Jesus comes back. You know what they fought for? Your kids. We need to leave them a nation. We need to stand against tyranny because God is our strength. And they did it. And they did it. I'm not saying for us to start a revolution. I'm saying the revolution's right here. If we got calluses up here and not here, there's something wrong. God gave us two of these and one of these. We need to start hearing the voice of God now. We really do. Let's talk about some polls real quick because I'm only going to go through a couple. This is July 1st, 2015, real quick. I just want to show you how deceptive this is. According to a new CNN poll, this was actually done by uh, Pew Polls, uh, ABC, Fox News. It was on several different channels. It says, according to a new CNN poll, 63% of the American public support the Supreme Court's ruling on Obamacare. And then it says, slightly fewer, 59% support the Supreme Court's decision on same-sex marriage. You know how many people they polled? 1,017. 330 million people in America, and that's what they showed on TV. Today, Fox News, I, was, I just happened to watch it. I was at a friend's house. They said, 
Uh, Hillary Clinton's leading in some state by 10 points or something like that. They interviewed 492 people. What? It's a lie. Anyways, I'm going to move on. Our duty. This is my final story. Do you guys know what it means when a preacher says he's almost done? Nothing. But I am almost done. Give me about five more minutes, I promise. Five more minutes, okay? Our duty, real quick. Our duty. Our duty. 16 years ago, there was a kid. It's a true story, I'll tell you. There was a kid, and his father was a pastor, okay? And <clears throat> these two young girls were with another gentleman to start a ministry in a small town. And uh, <clears throat> they, they couldn't find a hotel in the ministry, they were, the, the town they were starting the ministry at, so they came to this little town where this boy was from, this guy. And uh, they handed a gospel track to the receptionist of the hotel, and she says, are you guys Christians? She was a fresh Christian. She just got saved herself. And she was so excited, she said, what are you guys doing here? And she said, well, we're starting a ministry up the road here about 12 miles. We're going to start it for the kids. They came from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Excuse me. So then the woman says, I know this pastor guy. He loves kids, and he's crazy. And that pastor really is crazy. He's a funny guy. And uh, she said, you got you to call him. He would love to help your ministry. So guess what? The girls pick up the phone. They call the house. Now, the pastor and his son have the same name, but nobody knew what was going on with that kid. That kid just told his mother. Nobody knew this. This is a true story. The the boy told his mom, if God doesn't show up today or tomorrow, I'm going to kill myself. Gave her the plan. He was ready to commit suicide. He was going to college. He had a job. He's doing just fine. It's a true story. So they called the house, and this young girl goes, hey, is pastor so-and-so there? And the pastor said, oh, it's a young girl. It must be for you. So he handed it to the kid. They were actually looking for him. The kid went to church that night and got saved. Right? Now, here's what's cool about that story. That kid, 15 years later, he was in a Christian heavy metal band that toured all over the country. Four of their music videos went to 111 million homes all over the world. He's been able to go into 35 states preaching the gospel and his testimony to kids. Now he has his own ministry, travels all over the country, Gets to go to universities, high schools, talks to churches, right? Yeah, right here. That was me. What could God do? What could God do with a gospel track? It was just a gospel track. A simple act of obedience from these two women saved my life. It was God, right? I get that. But just them being obedient to just do that led that whole event, and here I am. Guys, I've been able to minister to so many kids and preach. How many of you guys think we need this in public schools and colleges? Seriously, right? Now, here's here's where I end, okay? I know you guys want me to keep going, but there's there's stuff that we've got to get through. This is the last quote. This is really the last quote. This is John Adams, second president of the United States. He said, posterity, you will never know what it costs this present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you make good use of it. For if you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I took half the pains to preserve it. I mean, just think about that, right? So you fight so hard for your kids. Imagine if you built up a business and your kids just threw it away one day. Oh, that you worked so hard to build a business for them to be successful. And they didn't even care about it, and they threw it away. What, 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 what would be said of you if you were alive to see it? Right? What, what would be said? Just listen to that. I use that quote because it just convicts me so much every day of my life. 
They gave me, this, this declaration of independence was only a promise from God that I have the right to preach. That's it. This law, constitution stuff doesn't matter to me without Christ. That's the whole purpose of this message. I hope it encourages you. We're going to pray right now for some of you in here, but I got a video to show you real quick if you guys want to pull that up. We just created a DVD. It's called A Call to Christians. It's a two-minute trailer, and I'm going to pray right after that for you guys that 